We're in John chapter 5, and I'll begin reading at verse 25, and we'll read through to verse uh, 30. John chapter 5, 25 to 30. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Let us pray. Loving Father, that you may bless your word as we consider it this afternoon, that realizing that Christ himself has come, the one who is the resurrection and the life, the one who is truly the author and finisher of our faith. And we are thankful, Father, for the blessings that we receive in him, in Christ, that we may take joy and true glorification of him who is our true Lord and Savior. So we pray, Father, asking your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we consider this passage this afternoon, we'd like to uh, look at it along the theme of uh, Jesus has authority over life and death. Now, um, as we look at this passage, we, we know that it's John in, in, this, uh, in the gospel that he is writing. Uh, we find that he tells us much about the Savior and how he has affected the lives of people, such as the Samaritan woman, the woman of Samaria and how that he has uh, affected also the, um, the life of the nobleman who came to him who had a son of a death, deathly fever, and uh, how that uh, he desired to have his son to be healed. And uh, what of this impotent man, this man who was paralyzed, laying beside the pool of Bethesda and had no hope within him until Christ came along to give him true life in the sense of being able to resume a life of some normalcy, but not only so, uh, that uh, this man now realized uh, after some uh, conversation with others and uh, of meeting the Lord later in the temple that this is the, truly the Christ, the Son of God. And so the power of Christ over life and death is not only um, physical but spiritual as well. In other words, the underscoring of the deity of Christ is made plain to us when we look at these accounts. And now Jesus makes this uh, uh, summary statement saying, Assuredly, assuredly I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. So uh, we, as much as we realize that the, this passage no doubt is talking about resurrection, and we might even say, well, 
it resurrection of those who have died because later on he does mention those who are in the grave. But if one is truly resurrected unto life, then it begins with spiritual life unto Christ. As the Samaritan woman realized that this was the Christ and that her life was ever changed because of her meeting the true Son of God. And this uh, impotent man realized that, yes, this is the Christ. He healed me of a disease that I had for some 38 years and was unable to do for myself, even in the most basic way, and Christ made me whole. In other words, he healed him physically and touched his life spiritually. And uh, what of the uh, nobleman's son uh, who was healed? The nobleman came as a mediator unto the Lord Jesus, employing the Lord Jesus to heal his son, much the same as we might come to the Lord in prayer and that we might mediate unto God the Father by the Lord Jesus Christ. In this particular case, this nobleman came to Christ and mediated for his son, employing his, the, the Lord, the, the Christ, to heal his son. And uh, if you will, the prayer was answered. And God uh, did heal his son. I uh, would like to consider some thoughts then this afternoon. First of all, Jesus is the giver of life. He is the giver of life. Of, uh, and as he is the giver of life, it, we realize that he touches the lives of people. And we've already mentioned the three different cases that uh, in this passage we've already looked at. And how that he did touch their lives and he gave life unto them. Um, he, in, men, in many ways, not only restored some sense of physical life, but touched their lives spiritually. And in doing so, he changed their lives forever. Uh, secondly, Jesus quickens and raises the dead physically and spiritually. He quickens and raises the dead. Um, Jesus would uh, speak and Lazarus would come forth from the grave. Uh, Jesus would change people in such a, in such a dramatic way that uh, in some cases like Lazarus, he would literally bring them back to life. He would quicken them. But in other cases, um, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. So the quickening power of God is able to raise the dead or it is able to give spiritual life. To, um, if, if you will, raise someone from spiritual death unto true life in Christ, eternal life. Uh, both are a type of uh, resurrection, as we might say. Uh, thirdly, Jesus has power of life, death, and judgment. And we see in this passage something to that effect here when he talks about all those who are in the grave shall, shall come forth, some unto life and some unto, some unto the spiritual life, some unto, unto death, spiritual death, as it were. And, and so... The idea is God truly has given to his son the power of over or authority over life and death. And this, this is in, within the power of Christ. And um, of course all of this is to say one thing, very important to the people at the time which in Jesus was speaking to them. He was saying, 
that I am equal with God. He is saying that the Father has these powers and, and, they, and the Father has given them unto me, over unto me, that I might exercise this power as well. And so he is underscoring his true messiahship as the Christ, the true Son of God. And so when we look at uh, uh, this great work of God, we find that the, he says, the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. The dead shall hear. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Now, when, when, would, when would this take place? Remembering that Christ is truly the Messiah, Christ is the Son of God, and he is speaking from the standpoint of his own authority and power, then it was, to, it was, it was present, active, uh, in the sense that Jesus could accomplish these things, yes, even in their very presence he could do these things. And we find that he did, in many cases. Um, and so, um, as we think about this, there is the, the idea of um, natural, spiritual, and eternal life within the power of God. Natural, spiritual, and eternal life within the power of God. First, it consists in the separation of body and soul, as we find that God is able to uh, have the power over life in the body and in the soul, whether it be unto life or, or death, uh, in the sense that God has power over these things, these elements within man. And so um, the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And we find that um, God then is very much, in, very much able to save the individual that he is speaking to. And he does. And he affects their lives as we have already seen. Um, and so the separation of, from God and the soul. What about, what about spiritual death? We find that in spiritual death, um, God and the soul are not in the right relationship until... Um, God does something to make them alive or quickens that, that relationship. And so we find that in Ephesians chapter 2, um, if you want to turn there for a second, although you may know the passage quite well, it says, And you hath he made alive or quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience. And so God, God, uh, who is able to quicken or make alive the soul of an individual uh, who is dead in trespasses and in sins. And, uh, and so God has power to change the life of an individual. So... If the dead hear the voice of the Son of God, then he has the power to affect that life. And uh, we find that he did that in many, many cases within the New Testament. Uh, sometimes he spoke a word 
and they were made alive in faith. They, they believed on the Son of Man, the Son of God. They believed that he was the Christ. And so he quickened that life. Later on in the New Testament, we find this, this work of faith being um, manifest as the gospel is preached. And so as the gospel is preached, the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1.16, the power of God comes into play and a life is changed or quickened or made alive by the very power of God. So yes, while Jesus was upon the earth, he could heal whom he will, whether it was to raise them unto physical life or whether it was to raise them unto spiritual life. And we find, of course, that this great work of God, the power of God then, uh, continued through the preaching of the gospel of Christ uh, into the New Testament, even after he himself had been crucified and risen again and ascended to the right hand of the Father. We find that the apostles were to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, the gospel of Christ, uh, to every individual. That is, to all men, to all mankind. They were to preach the gospel unto all. And so, in that sense, this gospel message was to be communicated freely throughout the known population in the first century. And is continued to be preached. As the word of God has no limits or bounds, yet we continue to preach the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. So again, here in John chapter 5 and in verse 25, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming. Well, uh, of course, uh, uh, Jesus is talking about the very hour in which he is very much alive and his ministry is ongoing. Uh, One commentator says this, Of the dead, our Lord says, the hour is coming and now is when they shall hear the voice of the Son of God and live. The hour is coming when all that sleep in the dust shall awake at the voice of the Son of Man and come to judgment, for he giveth life to the dead. So we can't limit, we can't limit the fact that, that Jesus is the giver of life. Whether it is to give life unto eternal life, or whether it is that he would resurrect even the dead out of the grave, we can't limit Jesus. After all, he is God. He is the Son of God. Therefore, we must realize that, uh, that he is speaking from the standpoint of his own deity as being the Son of God. And so we find that the Lord Jesus Christ speaks some very amazing words to the people of his own day. Um, And so as we look at this idea of resurrection, the the idea of two resurrections here, verily I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is at hand when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. And we find that Christ changed many lives and we find that Christ was even able to raise people physically from the dead. So as Messiah, these things would prove himself to be who he was, the Son of God. But yet we find that those things did not limit Christ. 
it would go on through the preaching of the gospel of Christ. For as the Father hath life in himself, verse 26, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Now, of course, uh, this would have been a very dramatic statement to make uh, concerning the Lord Jesus Christ because uh, it would be saying that uh, God has life, God the Father has life in him, and he's saying, I have life in me as well because God the Father has given me the same power. And that would be putting himself on the same equal footing with God the Father. And of course, to the people that he was speaking to at that time, to his own disciples, it would be a dramatic statement to make. Um, and it would be to overturn, really, their concept of godhood and of, of true, uh, the, God, the true Godhead. Because he is now call, calling himself to uh, say, I am equal with God the Father upon this very basis. And so the idea here is one which is very dramatic to the people that he is speaking to. Jesus quickens and raises the dead physically and spiritually. Let's read on into verse 27. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. So we have the idea that Jesus was upon the earth, that he had power and authority to raise the dead, if he so desired. He had power and authority to give life spiritually unto people, because he could speak to them, and he could say, thy sins be forgiven. Or he could say that go and sin no more because he had so affected their lives that they realized that he was truly the Son of God. He could make proclamation concerning himself saying that he had life in him even as the Father had life in him. And now he can say that the Father had also given judgment unto him. So he could change, the, he could change physical death into physical life. He could change spiritual death into spiritual life. He had the authority over even future, the future aspect of man, saying that he had authority to judge man in his life and death. In verse 27, And hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Now, when we read that statement, Son of Man, it does refer to his humanity. But remember that we are talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has this title because he first had the former, which is Son of God. The title Son of God goes to his pre-existence with God the Father. Goes to his priority relationship with God the Father as being eternal with the Father. And now he has this, this uh, title, Son of Man, because he came from the Father. And he was brought into the world through conception of the Holy Spirit. And so Mary bore him into the world, making him Son of Man. So this title refers to his, his humanity. But it is not limited only to his humanity because he is son of God. He is both son of God and son of man. And to say this then is a, is a, a very clear statement that as a man, as a man, he is not as 
we are. He only took upon himself the form of a servant and made himself in the form of a man. He veiled that glory in human flesh. But because he is son of God and son of man, he is deity, he is truly God in the flesh. And he is the incarnate God. He is the incarnate of God. And so this is a very important statement. Jesus quickens and raises the dead physically and spiritually. Jesus has life within himself. Jesus has the authority to make judgment, to judge, to judge the, the, the natural, the, the physical, and the spiritual unto an eternal state. Uh, And I think that's important for us to recognize, too. None of these aspects of man are without uh, limit as far as Christ's ability to have authority over them. And Jesus has this authority and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Now, when we talk about judgment, we know that, and especially this passage here, we often use it at a funeral when we're doing uh, the last ceremony when a person has passed away and uh, we're at the grave site and uh, we are doing the committal of the individual, we often take this passage and read through this passage because it has that application to life after death. It has the application to God having the authority to make judgment over a person after they have died. And we realize that death, the physical death, is not the end. The physical death is just the end of a certain phase that man's life has gone through from the very time of Adam and Eve and their fall in the Garden of Eden. We find that Adam and Eve was warned that if they partook of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they would suffer physical death and spiritual death. Physical death because they would only live a certain period of time and then they would die. Spiritual death because they had sinned against God and that they had fallen from that, that state of innocence um, with God. And so that both aspects of their life was affected. And so he says um, that God has authority. God has given him authority over this and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man, because he is the Christ, because he is the incarnate of God, because he is truly the Son of God and has come forth from the Father and that he has power over this aspect of man's life as well. And then also we see here that he says, Marvel not, verse 28, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. And so now we've come to a part where it says, well, it's talking about people in the grave. It's not just talking about giving spiritual life unto somebody. It's not just talking about judging people at the end. It's talking about resurrection of the very dead, those who have died. But then the resurrection of those who have died uh, carries with it the sense of final judgment. Jesus has power of life, death, and 
judgment of life, death, and judgment. And we find that uh, uh, at the end, at the end of this world, as it were, uh, there will be a judgment. And that judgment, God will call uh, the dead forth from the graves. Now, of course, the idea of grave here carries a greater meaning than simply being buried in the earth, as one might be typically buried. Um, no, it's talking about all who have died, whether they have died by at sea, whether they have died in a fire, whether they have um, expired in the wilderness and left uh, to corruption, um, or whether they have been buried and put in a marked grave. Um, any kind of death, all death, uh, is referred to as in the grave in this sense, and that God has power and authority over life and death, and, and also to give judgment. Also to give judgment. So all these aspects come into play uh, as uh, we're talking about this here. And I think it's important that we, we realize the uh, dual aspect here of what, what uh, the Lord is talking about. But this particular phrase, marvel not. I'd like to read a statement to you from Calvin on this. He says, quote, what I now tell you, this is in reference to this idea of marvel not, what I tell you that I have commenced, I will one day finish before your eyes, and indeed, when Christ now, by the voice of his gospel, quickens souls which had been sunk in perdition, it is a sort of preparation for the last resurrection again, as he includes the whole human race, he immediately makes a distinction between the elect and the reprobate. This division shows that the reprobate, as they are now summoned by the voice of Christ to come to judgment, will also by the same voice be dragged and brought to appear at his tribunal. Well, he uses the term kind of dragged, we get the visionary aspect, you know, against their will. Uh, well, in, in other words, it means that man doesn't have a choice. God is going to bring every soul unto judgment who does not know him and those who are dead without Christ will be judged. And we commonly think of the great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20 and uh, we find that that judgment, of course, uh, leads to a second death a spiritual death, as it were, or a confinement or judgment pronounced, indicating that they would be going to eternal judgment, eternal damnation, uh, which is described as the lake of fire, with burning forever and ever. A very, very gruesome sense of, of what to expect, and, and I guess it is uh, supposed to give us that sense of, of um, final doom, the final doom of mankind without God. Um, and so he says here, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Um, so he, he uses the similar phrase as he did in verse 25, the hour is coming. Um, but 
recognizing that Jesus was still on the earth, Jesus was still uh, uh, signing himself as the true Messiah of God, and that he would be doing these kinds of things which would set him apart from anybody else. But then the other thing that sets him apart from anybody else is that God has given him the authority of final judgment. The hour is coming when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. And, uh, and when they hear that voice, uh, they would come forth from the grave. And so he uses these two, uh, two terms here to really point out two different aspects. Uh, one, you might say at the, at the beginning, to reveal himself as who he is and to give life unto those who would believe. The other one is a sense of final doom and judgment. For authority has been given unto him. In verse 29, And shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So again, in the sense of judgment, we find that there are those who are, have done good unto life. There are those who have done evil unto damnation. Now in no sense does this mean that we can work and earn our way into salvation. It it by no means means that. Uh, It does mean, in effect, that God has been given, God has given his son all power and all authority to execute this kind of reward or punishment according to his will. God has given his son the the authority to do that. And and so we find that... um, they that have done good here. I'd like to read another comment, if I may. And this goes as follows. He praises their good works to which they have begun to devote themselves since they were called. And uh, an illustration of this might be, well, the thief on the cross. How much time did he have to do a lot of good works? Well, if he did any good work at all, it was to believe upon the Son. But there was no good works that would, would merit his salvation. It is not meaning that. But the only good thing that we can possibly do is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to, to call upon him as our true Savior. And so, for the robber to whom Christ on the cross promised life and who had all his life begun, given up to crimes and and, of course, uh, ex- the expressed desire uh, to do evil and so forth. We find there is no righteousness in any of that. But we find that immediately, as soon as the thief on the cross calls upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we find that God, in a sense, forgives all before. And the only thing that the thief on the cross would receive from Jesus in judgment was well done, thou good and faithful servant, in the sense that he has now become a believer. And he now stands alone in the cross of Christ and the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. All else is forgiven. And all else is forgot completely. Uh, God, in other words, has has the power to make such kinds of judgments. Man would never do that. Man would never excuse all the sins of others. Um, but God does when one calls upon him and believes unto eternal life. 
Now, what about the other? In the other sense, well, if someone is, is truly uh, reprobate, if someone is truly reprobate, then that is in sin and continues in their reprobateness of sin and has not called upon the Lord Jesus Christ um, as the thief on the cross did call upon the Lord, then what can they expect? They can only expect the judgment of God. The judgment of God which is under condemnation, not salvation. God, God is able to judge unto eternal life. Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. God is able to judge unto eternal life. God is able to judge unto eternal damnation. To say which one would uh, come into play. And so we find that he makes these, these very strong statements concerning himself. Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. And shall come forth, they that have done good, unto the resurrection of life. And they that have done evil, unto the resurrection of damnation. There is no sense of universal salvation in any of this statement. Some believe in a universal salvation that eventually they'll, even after they've died, they, may, they will still go to heaven somehow. But that is not the case. That is not taught here, nor elsewhere in the scripture. But there is a clear definition between life and death. Life uh, physically and death physically. Um, life spiritually and death spiritually, there's a clear definition between all of those, whether it's physical or whether it's spiritual. And who has the power and authority over them? God alone. And that he had given power and authority in to the Lord Jesus Christ concerning them. And he is making, Jesus is making some very clear statements here concerning himself. And of course this would infuriate the religious rulers of the day. But it would make glad those that would receive the Lord as the true Messiah and Savior that had come into the world. The true incarnate of God. They would, they would rejoice and they would be glad. The woman at the well rejoiced to see his day. And we find that so did the impotent man rejoice to meet the Christ. And that his life was forever changed. And that he believed upon the Savior. And the nobleman believed. His son was completely changed and uh, forever through that experience realized that the Christ had changed his life. And not only so, but his whole household had been influenced and affected by this, as the scripture says. And does God continue to do this work in the lives of individuals today? He does. He continues to do that. Are we as believers waiting for the adoption uh, of sons whereby we will receive of the blessing of God in such a manner as he's talking about here? Yes. Yes, we are. Uh, and we, we have great, the great hope and sal of that salvation and of those things to come because Christ has life in him, even as the Father has life in him. And the, and the Lord Jesus Christ quickens by his power those who believe 
on him. The Lord Jesus quickens them. And the Lord Jesus Christ is able to save unto eternal life. And the Lord Jesus Christ is able to judge unto eternal damnation. Uh, All these things within the power of God and for his glory. And that these things may reflect, may reflect that Jesus has authority over life and death. Let us trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and believe upon him hoping in these things because of the Lord and of his great love and compassion toward us. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. Loving Father, we do thank you for your word and pray that you will encourage us based upon these things in the word of God. Pray that you will bless us, that we may strive to prove ourselves as those who are called unto eternal life, and that we will walk in true faith. Father, we need you every single day through the Lord Jesus to be that mediator for us, as Jesus is able to bring before you our very petitions and that we will receive those blessings according to your working and your power. And we thank you, Father, for that, and that you have given all authority unto the Son. And we give praise to you in Jesus' name. Amen.